after months of campaigning and debates, we finally had our first election night. There's still no winner of the Iowa Democratic caucuses. This is a third straight cycle. We've seen challenges in Iowa. And it was a bit of a train wreck. Chaos continues to hang over last night's first-in-the-nation presidential contest. Confusion and massive technical problems held up the reporting of results in Iowa. We're recording this episode at 6 p.m. Eastern, the day after Iowa, and we still don't have a winner. By the time you hear this, a winner may have been called. Either way, over the next month, Democratic voters in nearly 20 states and territories will vote or caucus for the person they want to take on President Donald Trump in the fall. And according to the poll, Healthcare is their top issue. Today, we take a closer look at those polls and hear from some voters about how healthcare is influencing their vote in 2020. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. Our goal isn't really to predict anything in an election, especially at this stage. What these polls are especially good at is explaining what people are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. Ashley Kurtzinger is a pollster with the Kaiser Family Foundation, which has conducted surveys on healthcare stretching back over three decades. Ashley has managed dozens of polling projects over the last five years with interviews from more than 70,000 Americans. She's already run over 15 polls in the lead up to this year's race. What we are trying to do right now is to really provide insight into what is driving voters' opinions and decisions. And when we ask Americans what their top worry is and we give them a list of things that families worry about, right? You know, being able to afford a place for them to live, being able to afford their groceries, being able to afford their health care ranks at the top of that list. And that's not something we see in other countries. Two-thirds of Americans say they're very or somewhat worried about being able to afford an unexpected medical bill, and more than half feel that way about their annual deductible. Ashley says healthcare has been among voters' top issues for the past two decades. Since 2000, really, healthcare has ranked among the top three issues for voters. However, it frequently fell behind issues such as the economy. Financial system in turmoil. And John McCain, erratic in the crisis. And terrorism. John Kerry has repeatedly opposed weapons vital to winning the war on terror. It really wasn't until 2018 that healthcare kind of took over the this top spot on the list of issues that we ask about. A big concern for some under the House GOP health care plan is that people with pre-existing conditions could have to pay more for coverage or worse, be denied coverage. The ACA's protections for people with pre-existing conditions were under threat. I lay awake at night wondering what's going to happen. How is this going to affect me? So, Ashley, there's no doubt health care was huge in 2018. What about 2020? What's your polling telling you about this year? When we ask people what is the one thing that's going to motivate them to vote in 2020, you can guess what they say. They say President Trump. About one in five voters say that defeating President Trump is the one thing that's going to motivate them in 2020, compared to about 8% who say health care is the one thing that's going to motivate them. But as candidates are on the campaign trail, they're not going to be talking just about President Trump. They're going to be talking about issues. And voters are telling us right now that health care is their top issue in the election. We still don't know who won Iowa, but what we do know is that health care was really top of mind for people. 
That's right. We have two um, polls. We have an entrance poll that was done by um, Edison Research, and we have the AP Vocast, which was done the week leading up to the Iowa caucus. In both of these, healthcare was the top issue for Democratic voters in Iowa. Four in 10 voters said that healthcare was their most important issue. This was followed by about one-fourth of Democratic voters who said climate change was their most important issue. This is consistent with what we have found at KFF in our polling leading up to Iowa. We have found that Democratic voters say that health care is top of the mind. They want to hear the candidates talk more about health care. And so this is something that we expect to see consistently throughout the Democratic primary. Ashley, in addition to the big picture that you're giving us, we really wanted to talk to a couple of individual voters who are planning to go to the polls in the coming weeks and months. So we asked our producer, Ryan Levy, to have a few conversations with people, kind of get into the nitty gritty with them. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here. When you think about some of the folks that you've talked about, who's a person that you've spoken to that you think is really sort of helps us better understand how health policy is influencing their choice as a voter? So there's one guy I talked to. His name is Clayton McCook. I'm originally from Texas and went to high school in northeastern New Mexico and have called Oklahoma home for nearly 10 years now. He's a 42-year-old equine veterinarian. He's an uh, equine veterinarian? equine veterinarian, yes. So, so he, if, you, if, if you have a horse uh, that, that's feeling a little under the weather, take him to Clayton. He'll be able to, to sort you right out. Excellent. Thank you. Um, he lives uh, just north of Oklahoma City. And for him, prescription drug prices are really kind of motivating him. My oldest daughter, Lily, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2012 when she was three. And uh, since that time, we've seen the price of her insulin literally double. And so that's a huge concern in our family. And so when he's looking at the candidates, he's really zeroing in on their prescription drug plans. I think they need to be talking about price controls at the federal level. You know, I've gone through a lot of their plans and, and just about all of them, are, if they've addressed it, they are in favor of direct negotiation between the pharmaceutical manufacturers and, and Medicare. But I'd like to see them go a step further. He even mentioned, you know, just setting a flat cap on what drug makers are able to charge for their products. Uh, but at the same time, he is really, you know, he considers himself a, a practical person, a pragmatist, a realist. I appreciate some of the really bold and, and sweeping policies that are being put forth by some of the candidates. However, having been a close observer of politics for most of my life, I, I have some concerns that those most likely are not going anywhere. So, you know, while he really would love to see some of these really bold moves on prescription drugs to lower some of these costs, he really finds himself leaning more towards the candidates like Vice President Biden, Senator Amy Klobuchar. Th- their approach seems to be more in line with how I see things going. Ashley, clearly Clayton is balancing this idea of electability with his healthcare priorities, namely high prescription drug prices. Based on your polls, how big of an issue is that? When we ask people what is it about healthcare that's important to them, it really is about their healthcare costs. It's those out-of-pocket costs, whether it's their deductibles or their copays, including copays for prescription drugs. And so this own personal healthcare cost issue, this has become much more 
of an issue than overall total health care spending by the federal government. Exactly. It outranks any other health care issue, including like implementing a national Medicare for all plan, even though that's something that we've heard a lot about during the Democratic primaries. Right. In terms of prescription drug prices, it's not people's direct experiences with prescription drug costs that's really driving this as an issue. But they're hearing a lot about exorbitant prescription drug prices and they do not like pharma. And so they see these kind of high prescription drug prices affecting really disadvantaged populations like older adults or those who are really sick, including some family members or friends that they're hearing stories from. Ashley, You say a lot of people are like Clayton, worrying about their personal costs, but the reality is lots of us get our insurance from our employer. Ryan, did you talk to any business owners? And what are they thinking? Where do they stand with all this healthcare stuff? So one woman I talked to was Nancy Clark. I own a small marketing branding firm in New Hampshire. And she's been doing that for about 20 years or so. I have this deep-rooted philosophy that healthcare is a right. And as a small business owner, it's my responsibility to provide that. Over that time that she's been doing that, she really looks to the time of the Affordable Care Act when it was first enacted as really kind of a peak time for her as a small business owner when it comes to fulfilling that duty, fulfilling that obligation. Since the Trump administration has taken office, the ACA has withered a little bit, right? There's been some fraying at the edges. For sure. What has her experience been? It's not been great. You know, she says at the beginning, the ACA made getting insurance more convenient. Uh, It gave her more choices of insurers and helped her lower costs for for her and her employees. Uh, But she says in the last few years, she has fewer insurers to choose from. uh, And those prices, those out-of-pocket costs for her employees are going up. So, Ashley, when it comes to the polling that you've done, how important is the ACA as Democrats begin to sift through the Democratic primary field? What we see is that Democrats are really rallying behind the ACA in ways that perhaps we hadn't seen during the first couple years of its implementation. And about 8 in 10 Democratic voters have a favorable view of the ACA, and they tell us that maintaining protections for people with pre-existing condition is their top priority. So, Ryan, to just wrap up with Nancy for a quick second here, where's she as it, when it comes down to actually like picking candidates? It really is all about the ACA for her at this point. Normally, I would vote for fresh ideas and new ideas, but I can't reconcile the health care and how strongly I feel about it. So I have to take what I'm thinking is the safe vote to try to get the Affordable Care Act back on track. So for that reason, I think I'm really leaning towards Biden. We call Nancy back late Tuesday afternoon to see if the Iowa results have changed her thinking at all. And she said that the strong showing from Pete Buttigieg is making her take a second look at the young mayor before she votes next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 
earlier in the show, we were talking about exit polls, Ashley, and one that really caught my eye found that six in 10 caucus goers support Medicare for all. And this is obviously a small snapshot of the overall electorate. But I'm really curious, what do your polls show? What have you found on what's got to be one of the hottest issues in healthcare? What we're seeing is that a majority of the public favor both Medicare for all and a public option, with a slightly larger share of the public favoring a public option. However, when we ask voters, okay, so what does Medicare for all mean? They really don't know. One of the great examples that we saw in our focus groups is that there was a woman there who was like, very pro-Medicare for all. And she did a great Oprah impersonation that was like, you get Medicare, you get Medicare, you get Medicare. But once they hear that they have to pay more in taxes or maybe they don't get to get Medicare, um, then they're like, oh, wait, what's Medicare for all? In our most recent tracking poll, we've actually seen that there has been a slight uptick among the general public and a more significant uptick among Democrats. So 53% of Democrats now know that individuals would not pay premiums under a Medicare for All plan. 40% say that they now know that they would not be able to keep their current health insurance plan, which may not seem like a lot, but you have to understand that's an uptick from 24% just six months ago. So, Ryan, let's let's talk about one more voter. Is there any voter that you spent time with who really is a big sort of Medicare for all booster? Yeah. So uh, I talked to Khalidra Hadhazi. She's a 39 year old real estate agent, uh, lives in New Jersey, has a couple of kids. Healthcare is the most prominent issue in our family. It's something that we deal with on a daily basis. You know, she talks about, you know, being kept up at night. Her husband has Crohn's disease, you know, which is a pretty serious chronic condition. One of her daughters has a chronic eye condition. So she's, you know, really concerned about what's going to happen to them and how she's going to care for them and be able to pay for their care. Having the security of like a single payer option where you're guaranteed health care and, you know, that's one less thing that you have to think about, you know, allows you to focus on other things. And I really wish that we lived in a country that offered that. She thinks it's really important that that the country expands access and gets to a place of universal coverage. Uh, and one interesting thing she talked about was, you know, every, making sure that everyone can go to a doctor that they feel comfortable with uh, and, and, you know, not having cost be part of that. You know, I know as a woman of color, I've been to doctors that I've felt uncomfortable working with that I don't want to see because I don't like the way that person uh, spoke to me. I don't think they took what I was saying seriously. And I shouldn't have to be forced to go to, to a doctor that I'm not comfortable with because that's the only doctor who takes my insurance. And she thinks that in a Medicare for all system, that piece of the problem goes away as well. And which candidates, as, as Khalidra like sifts through her options, she's all Bernie, all the way. She's she's a big Bernie person. She said she was Bernie back in 2016. Uh, she said she's also, you know, as as one would guess, you know, Elizabeth Warren as well. I feel like if you have the candidate that has the most sort of radical position on covering everyone, that when push comes to shove and they're having to compromise, that their compromise won't be it won't result in such a watered down policy. Whereas someone who's already in the middle, their compromise uh, would, to me, not be strong enough. Ashley, I've been wondering a lot, how intense are voters' attitudes? Like, for example, are there a bunch of Medicare for all or bust voters? 
in our January tracking poll, we asked people, you know, do you favor Medicare for all? Do you favor public option? And we found that very few, it's 6% of the public overall, say that they favor a Medicare for all plan. And so that's the only way that they see forward. And um, 48% favor both a public option and Medicare for all. We spent a lot of time talking about Democrats, um, which makes sense. They're having a primary. The Republicans aren't really having much of a primary. What are your polls showing about Republicans? What matters to them most about health care? It's health care costs still. Democrats, while health care costs are their top personal issue, they kind of see any kind of change to the health care system need to be balancing both health care costs and increasing access for all people to be able to get coverage, to be able to go see a doctor. Republicans are prioritizing health care costs, especially prescription drug costs. Republicans tend to skew a little bit older. They're the population that's more likely to take, you know, more prescription drugs. They're seeing this to be a significant cost burden for them. And so this is something that they want President Trump and Congress and any president to really take action on. Are there other topics in healthcare we haven't talked about yet that are also driving people? Well, we haven't talked about abortion. No, we haven't talked about abortion, but it's not yet driving people, which is the interesting thing. So we know that the Supreme Court decided not to take on the Texas versus U.S. case, which was the case that was challenging the constitutionality of the pre-existing condition protections. But they are going to be hearing arguments on the Louisiana case. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear a controversial abortion case with enormous stakes for those who support a woman's right to choose. This will be the first abortion case heard by the Supreme Court since President Trump appointed Justices Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. That is a case that's going to be in the news. We're going to be hearing a lot about it. Our poll that we just released two weeks ago found that reproductive health care is not ranking as a top priority. It's like 6% of Democrats saying it's the top issue in this election and 7% of Republicans. So it's not yet ranking to the top. But as the year progresses and we imagine that we will hear a lot about um, this Louisiana case, we could see that playing a larger role. When you look back four years from now, right, the next presidential cycle, what do you think is going to stick for you that you're going to remember from this presidential cycle, from what people have actually said to you? I guess that amounts to what have you learned, Ashley? I hope that I'm able to look back and say, Healthcare costs were at a breaking point, and Congress was able to address this because it ranks so high among voters across the partisan groups. I hope that's what I'm able to say, but I'm not. You know, there, there's no crystal ball. There, I can't. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I I'm not sure, but that's my biggest takeaway so far in the 2020 election. I know that a lot of the Democratic conversation has been Medicare for all versus the public option. But what we're seeing over and over in our polls, regardless of how we ask the question, it all comes down to health care costs. And I think what was so interesting about the stories of these voters that Ryan shared is that all of them at the end of the day, it's concerns about health care costs. Obviously, 2020 is largely a referendum on President Trump. But for many Democrats and some independents, the issue that stands out more than any other is health care. People are scared about whether they can afford to get sick. When it comes to comparing candidates, whether they're offering sweeping changes or more incremental ones, voters are looking for the person they can trust to deliver real relief 
from the rising costs. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. Staples to close wounds, gowns to protect surgeons, saline to hydrate patients. All too often, hospitals find themselves short on the most essential items. Surgeries across the country are being canceled tonight because of a shortage of surgical gowns. The FDA Others are dealing with a shortage of IV bags after Hurricane Maria cut power to manufacturing plants in Puerto Rico. How does this happen and can it be fixed? Next time on Tradeoffs. So there's an old West Wing episode about polling. Hey, Sam. Hey, Ginger. Bonnie wanted to know why it takes 48 hours. We need 1,500 responses. It takes 30 people 48 hours to make 1,500 calls? It takes them about 12 hours to make 1,500 calls. We need 1,500 responses, which means we need to make 6,000 calls. Only one in four people don't hang up? That's if you're lucky. This exchange is doubly relevant for the trade-offs team this week. Uh, Obviously, our guest, Ashley Kurtzinger, is a pollster and uses phone banks to make calls of this quantity. Additionally, we heard the voices of voters this week. I'm Andrew Perella, sound designer for Tradeoffs, joined now by producer Vicki Stern and producer Ryan Levy. So, getting the voices of these voters presented an additional challenge for us this week, right? Definitely. You know, we weren't making the volume of calls that uh, the phone bank in the West Wing did or Ashley does to get her polling, but it definitely took some time and a lot of help uh, to connect with Clayton, Nancy, and Kalidra. Yeah, we started about a month ago reaching out to people and organizations who could help put us in touch with voters. People like Alyssa O'Donnell, Juliana Keeping, Cassie Mills, and the small business majority. Then the three of us got to work digging into those voter lists that we were eventually able to get our hands on. And we called probably maybe, what, two dozen voters? Yeah, probably 20 plus people. And we're a new media company, so each of these conversations and the many voicemails we left involved explaining who we are and what we do. And most of those people didn't call us back, right? Yeah, we only heard back from around half of the folks we reached out to. But the voters who we did connect with were vital to our process, even if we couldn't fit them all into this episode. So a big thank you to Orion McKinney-Bruskin, Delaney Bounds, Ron Nelson, Jose Gonzalez, and Melinda Ruperto. Thank you all so much. A lot of work goes into the making of each episode. This is just one example. And thanks to the two of you, Tradeoffs producers, Vicki Stern and Ryan Levy, for your efforts. Thank you, Andrew Perella. Our team also includes Operations Director Courtney Summers and Editor-Producer Leslie Walker. Additional thanks this week to Francis Yin, Lucy Hodder, Ryan Pujalis, Bob Blenden, Samantha Stella, Matt Cantor, Matt Robeson, Katie McMurrin, and the Tradeoffs Advisory Board. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation and Arnold Ventures. Additional support comes from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed are those of the individuals and not those of Tradeoffs staff, advisors, or funders. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.